Initial reactions to Resurrection Unearthed. This is Resurrection Revealed. Welcome back to Resurrection Revealed. This is episode number five. Wayne Henderson here with you, the Green Bay Packers fan, voice actor and all that good stuff. And Troy Heinrichs, how are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. Wayne is glad to be here again with everybody in our live after show for Resurrection Revealed. It's uh, quite an exciting show so far. We've been um, kind of teased all along, and now we have our second episode in the can And I think we're going to have some great, exciting storylines coming out of this evening. What do you say? Absolutely. This episode two of Resurrection had a totally different feel than the first one as far as getting into extra creepy stuff and asking us to concern ourselves with a lot more what-if questions. And I'm starting to come up with some crazy theories because it's getting really bizarre and something is going on in Arcadia, Missouri. Well, throw a new theory at me, Mr. Wayne. (laughs) I'll let you have the floor first this evening. A theory already? Uh, Something is awry. And I think the sheriff is covering something up besides just trying to repair the memory of his wife who passed away. I think he is behind something. I'm not sure what it is yet. And as far as the people returning, something is wrong with that Caleb guy. Something is seriously wrong with that man. He whistles really well. That's the one thing that I know for sure. If I hear whistles in my sleep, I'm going to be frightened. Well, I think we have another crackpot theory that we can throw out there because now we have a clear representation of, you know, I'm walking around in the sunlight and I turned into ash. So it must be vampires. That's what's going on. Because he kind of melted like those typical vampires do when they get out in the sun and someone sticks them in the heart from those old vampire shows. But then again, that was just a dream. Although that was very creepy and the special effects done on that were very well done. But I certainly hope we're not going anywhere near vampires, werewolves, zombies, or giants losing contact lenses. None of those things. No, but I think there was a lot of great lines that kind of it really encapsulated a lot of what was going on this evening, right? Caleb was saying uh, when he's talking to Elaine, you know, it's like when you, when life gives you a second chance, you have to grab it and just take it. And my question, of course, right up front is which second chance? Second chance with his family or second chance for whatever the heck he's working on or been doing before he had the heart attack? That is a good question. And his son, uh, Ray, right? Ray, correct. Lane's brother. Now, that guy's a little odd himself, but I think he's definitely got a sixth sense about that Caleb is not necessarily his dad or there's something definitely wrong. And you notice the family dog is barking at him like crazy. Is it because the dog knows that Caleb died or is the dog barking because that's not Caleb? That's a really good point because the dog went nuts at the end of last episode, you know, when someone was hiding in the shed. We, of course, we just assumed that the dog was saying, oh, stranger danger, you know, doing its job. But here, Caleb's just walking out to his truck like he's done probably a thousand times before he died. And the dog is just going crazy. So with that being said, it's going to be interesting to find out, you know, is it really Caleb or is it a version of Caleb? I know some people had the cloning theory out there already, like some kind of government project. So we'll have to see what is going on 
when we put things together and come up with some real theory because now we have agent Bellamy, you know, he called Tony and he's like, I'm assuming based on the conversation, cause it kind of jumped a little bit, right? Cause last time we had the question around, you know, Hey, I don't have the DNA test results. And it looked like Bellamy was hiding something in this episode. He's telling Tony, you know, something's going on here. I need to protect the boy. If we call in the government, he's going to become a lab specimen. So now Tony is aware that something is amiss in Arcadia. Now, do you think Agent Bellamy can fully trust Tony? That's a really good question, too. I didn't even think of that. I'm assuming that he can trust Tony, but at the same time, he's in Arcadia. Tony's not. And Tony has people she reports up to. So I guess it goes back to the um, women relationship question about him. Can he woo Tony enough? Yes, I used woo. (laughs) Can he he woo Tony enough to make her understand that there's something special here? Maybe Tony even comes and makes a visit on her own. That could be as well. I, You know, the scene that kind of tugged at me the most in a non-creepy sense on this episode was the fact that all of the other parents at the uh, play field started whispering and gossiping and then all of a sudden pulled all their kids away and left poor Jacob just standing out in the middle of the soccer field all by, by himself. And you had to feel for Jacob and for Jacob's mom. I agree. And this is one of the things that was actually really closer to the book here. Cause when I saw this scene play out, I was like, Oh, this is very much similar to Jason Mott's novel, the return, which you can of course order at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon through our affiliate link. But you know, it, it's this concept of, you know, are you different? And if you're different, do you get treated differently? You know, you can talk about segregation or things of that nature, you know, so how are we going to see the town react And I think that's really what we have in this episode as we kind of spanned along, you know, the conversation with Tom about people at church, when you call them Caleb, they were worried about you, but they were more worried about, you know, how are we going to address this going forward? And then, of course, there's the conversation where Bellamy tells Lucille, you know, hey, you should probably lie about who he is. And then, of course, Caleb at the end of the fence says, hey, you know, you should lie. So we need to protect these people for some reason because something's coming. Now, do you think when Caleb told Jacob to lie, was that just a simple, hey, lie that you're not really Jacob and keep the town folk kind of leaving you alone? Or is there like some bigger mission that these two folks that have resurrected are on and he's supposed to lie about some other things as well? That's a really good question, too, because. The one thing that happened is that they're now sharing this dream state, right? And the way Caleb actually walks in that opening sequence, he walks from the same direction to the same direction with the same whistle, just like he passed in front of the house So the in the first episode. So the question becomes, when Jacob was standing in front of the house, was Caleb really there or was it kind of you know in and out of consciousness at that point and he was visioning mm-hmm. Caleb being? Because the cop uh, and Henry didn't really see Caleb. They saw Jacob run, but they never even acknowledged Caleb was even walking down the street. That's true, because I would have thought the police car would have gone after this suspicious looking guy in the hoodie. But And Caleb is just a very bizarre individual. How about the winner of the awkward moment of the whole episode was when Caleb catches his daughter, Elaine, looking at the urn of his ashes on the fireplace mantle. I mean, all sorts of thoughts have to run through your head when that kind of thing happens. Yeah, you really think that I'm actually in that urn? I thought that was a great line. <laughs> but 
yeah, it totally wigged me out a little bit. It's like, oh, hi, myself. This is myself sitting next to you. <laughs> Again, awkward. I, I hope I never have to go through that because that was that'd be really, really bizarre. And so, of course, the DNA test, which I wonder on this show how much faith we can put into the DNA testing that uh, Marty Bellamy has going underway. Because, you know, of course, comparing Jacob's and now again, uh, comparing it against Jacob's body in the tomb. And we do see the tomb get opened and they open the casket. But again, we don't get to see anything. Us viewers, now we we definitely have to tune in next week, right? How many Lost fans are actually out there? Because that was, that was like the same expression. No, come on. Tell me who's <laughs> the coffin. I mean, that was a complete throwback to Lost right there. And yeah, who, who, I, for the episode right there. And who's in the coffin? Is it uh, John Locke? Is it uh, we, we had all those crazy theories. So now the question, of course, for resurrection is, is Jacob's body in the coffin? And what does that mean? And is Jacob's body not in the coffin? And what does that mean? And how quickly are we going to get those answers? Is it going to be, you know, rapido and next week? And then, or is it going to be at the end of the eight episodes? Or is it going to be a long-standing thing? That's <laughs> something we're going to have to find out because, man, I can't do another coffin cliffhanger for an entire <laughs> season. My, my heart just can't take it. Rapi- it'll, start beating, it'll, it'll start beating as fast as Jacob's did in the last episode. Rapido, Troy. <laughs> Bilingual yeah. now, huh? So the, the other really great scene that happened this evening was this... Uh, sequence where elaine was looking at the jacket now here's what i don't understand because if the jacket's on a person when they're buried mm-hmm. and then they remade him wouldn't the clothes go back to the family or do they cremate them in the clothes themselves because that was the one thing that i couldn't figure out was he came back wearing the jacket that he was buried in <laughs> so of course that has to set off a red flag to somebody and then it finally does with elaine because then she's like hey i put a note in that pocket Let's go see if that note is there. And what a great job Samira did uh, with that scene because it was just so emotional as she goes and reaches in. And then, of course, the note's not there because why would it be? Because he's alive. Good point. And I hadn't even thought about the fact that uh, when he was cremated, they would have cremated everything. But then again, now he's resurrected or returned, if you want to use the phrase from from the book. So um, good question. And the note, of course, now in the Bible instead of in the jacket pocket. So it's definitely been read. And we finally got a glimpse of it because earlier in the episode, when they showed the flashback of the funeral, we we're trying to make out the note, but we couldn't. But luckily, a little later in the episode, they gave us a pretty good view of it. And I thought that was a really great reveal in this episode because at the start of the episode, it makes you think like Caleb doesn't know that he died and he's kind of on the same wavelength as Jacob. But I think Jacob truly believed that he never died right in in the first episode and then he kind of comes to this realization that uh yeah stuff's a little bit different um and then you go to this other side of the coin where now caleb is like playing along like he knows more than he's letting on because he's kind of he's having this flashback about having the heart attack as he's digging up whatever it is he's digging up you know i as i was scanning through it looked like it was a bag i thought at first it might be bones but then it, it, it definitely looked like a bag of some kind. So maybe it was a robbery. Maybe it's money of some kind. I'm not sure. But you know he has that flashback of the heart attack. So I think he really knows what's going on. I think he knows that he is he died and came back. And that's why he had that conversation with Elaine about when you have a second chance, you take it. Um, 
because when he sees that he purposely moved that note, right? He took it out of the jacket pocket, put it in the Bible. So he's hiding something. And the question is, what are they hiding and what kind of wavelength are these returned all on with each other? Oh, no doubt. For my vote, I, it was definitely some sort of bag at the bottom of that uh, hole in the ground, which was shaped about the size of a human body. I thought that it might be some sort of body bag, but we didn't get enough, uh, again, hiding a few things from us, the viewers, to really make us wonder what is down in that hole. But it certainly set off Caleb. Number one, who wants to have a flashback of having a heart attack? That's no good. But then he goes to that guy's house, and that guy was so stunned to see Caleb alive again that he just couldn't even control himself and fell on the ground, and that's not a good idea. Well, and then we got another answer from our theories last week, you know, who is Maggie's father and Maggie's already thinking that herself and she's just stalking the bald headed guy sitting outside his house. What a great uh, shout out to uh, seeing Ned Bellamy there back on the small screen. He was on on under the dome as Reverend Coggins. So great for us to see him doing the under the dome radio show this summer. And I thought it was interesting because the way she approached he looked a little scared like oh my gosh why is she here and then he just she just blatantly says i got one question you know are you my dad and he has like this kind of sigh of relief like no no i'm not your dad but the biggest question is is who's in the house with the bald-headed man is it barbara is it somebody else that is really the big question we have going in for next week like is there someone else that's returned who's also back sitting there with the bald-headed man Yeah, they actually left us with very many, (laughs) good English on my part, a lot of cliffhangers there that made us want to come back because I agree, it could be most anybody in that house. It could even be somebody unrelated to all the Langstons and all the other stuff that's going on. But uh, I don't even know if I believe him when he told her that he's not her father. I mean, that could be a lie as well. And it was the way he said, he made that one point, like, I never left you alone when you were in the carriage. So the question that happens there in my mind is, you know, I don't know, was there an adoption situation and maybe neither of them are the father? And that's why you said, I'm not the dad. Um, I'm, you know, hmm. it's really interesting to think about because there's, there's still some reason, like, why would you be pushing your child in the carriage with your um, affair, you know, if you will, walking down by the river and then how did you magically fall in and why is the carriage by itself? Because we know that the bald-headed man was reaching in to save Barbara after Jacob fell in. So Maggie was alone at some point. And I think somebody actually emailed this in to us where she said that in one shot, Maggie was in the baby carriage and then the next minute, Maggie's not in the baby carriage. So did somebody actually steal Hmm. Maggie? Which then leads me to this question of, you know, hey, she found out about us or she's on to us you know, in, in that scene with Ned Bellamy in the, in the house. So yeah, lots of questions. Yeah. It's going to be great. I, I I have my like loss radar is like, you know, 110% going off the charts right now because there's just so many ways that this thing could go. Yes. And from being lost viewers, um, anybody else that was a lost viewer, we know that we have to watch everything, every number that's shown on the screen, every flashback, every expression. And I still don't think that she, fell into the river. I think she was pushed and it might be by somebody that we haven't seen yet. Maybe she was pushed in by somebody involved in this whole other issue that happened decades later with uh, Caleb. There's something about that town and they made it so prominent that we could see that factory that apparently isn't 
running anymore. There was no smoke coming out of the smokestacks that there's something about that town. And I wonder if that's why, at least at this point, all of the people returning are from Arcadia, Missouri. It's a really great question. Do you have an answer? Because <laughs> I, I want to know. I think this factory is going to come into play at some point. It has to, right? It was too important to the, It's if it's a small town, you know, you look at the real Arcadia, Missouri, I think it's a population of around 600 or so. Wow. So, I mean, factory like this, you know, would basically, you know, employ the entire town. So if the factory shuts down, you know, as soon as, you know, Jacob dies, then you have these issues of, you know, is the town going to die? Right. So how does the town get resurrected in the same sense? So I think this fact, the factory will play into it. I said like the river is going to play into it. We're going to see something for sure. And we'll have to go from there. The bigger question is, is all of the kind of symbolism that we saw a little bit tonight too. Right. So we had, um, this conversation about uh, wanting to open the tomb between Maggie and Bellamy and Henry and Lucille. And Henry's like, you know, you know, there's no way in heck you're going to open up my family's tomb. And Lucille's kind of like Pontius Pilate. She like washes her hands and she's like, you got to do what you got to do to get your answers. Right. Like she doesn't want to be a part of it one way or the other. She's just happy. Jacob is back. And then there was another really great scene when, um, Frank is in the diner when Bellamy comes in talking to Maggie about his past, like what happened five years ago. And literally he stands up, walks away from the table and he says, I hope you do the right thing. Well, right thing in whose perspective, mm. right? Right thing in the returns, right thing in the towns, right thing in Bellamy and Maggie or right thing for the family. So I think that we're going to start to see some internal conflicts start to occur as the season rolls along because there are people that are going to start taking sides kind of like we saw with Jacob in the soccer field. Right. And I want to remind everybody, because we're all talking about theories and things that are popping into our heads. We want to hear your thoughts and theories and share them on our full episode later this week. So just go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback and you can leave your feedback through there or give us a call, good old-fashioned phone call. We'd love to play your voicemail on the next show. Just uh, dial 904-469-7469. That's 904-469-7469. Let your voice be heard because you probably have some great theories. In fact, I want to know what your theory is about what did what happened in Agent Bellamy's past? Because that's another thing that you know the sheriff really hammered on to to, to Bellamy in this episode you know, you're not who you say you were. Remember what happened uh, to you, what, five years ago or something like that? But we don't find out what that is and what has turned him into, quote unquote, a desk jockey. And that's going to play into Maggie and his relationship as they work together. So they're going to have to figure out how are they going to come to some agreement. I'm sure Maggie's going to ask them as they're out investigating, you know, next week, you know, hey, what did happen? Are you going to share the story with me? Because you're going to need to build that trust in order to get to the bottom of what's going on. Yeah, they're, 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 this was a very, very strong second episode. Definitely not a letdown in any sense of the word. It had a lot more action than the first episode of Resurrection, which did the groundwork laying. But this one, lots of action, lots of creepiness. But like you touched on, Troy, lots more questions. Especially the questions of how sick is Elaine, right? Because Maggie's sitting there like, did you think we cremated the wrong guy? And Elaine's like, does it matter? Oh, yes. Uh, that was hello? Weird. Does it matter? Absolutely. 
<laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then, of course, she goes on and explains, like, my dad's back, and it's just good enough to have, you know, my dad here. But at the same time, I was like, whoa, what kind of, like, twisted person are you? Yeah, and she does a good job of going between, you know, she's a full-grown adult, obviously, but then when she does scenes with Ray, she definitely has that sisterly vibe about her, and, you know, Ray is a little bit weird and untrusting, and she's a little overly trusting, so maybe some balance in that family would be good. And what was their relationship like before Caleb died? Because when Ray got caught in Caleb's room, and he's like, hey, stay out of my room, you stay out of my room, we'll be all good. Ray looked either terrifiedly scared, and I don't know if that was a scared from a, I don't know who you are, dude, or I'm scared because I know you're my dad, and I know what you did to me when I was a, a, you know, a younger kid. So, But Ray looked terrified at Caleb in that bedroom scene. Yes, he did. And that for a father's son, especially when the son's a full-grown adult as well, that was just a whole really weird scene. And obviously, Caleb knows that Ray suspects him of doing something weird. Now, I'm wondering... I don't think Caleb has just become this crazy person. I think he may have always been this way. And maybe before he died, you know, Ray would have been a few years younger. I, what did we get? Like a seven years? Has it been about seven years since he died? Or have they yeah, not I, given us a time? I, I, know, I know it was in the promo for the Oscars, like when he died and when he came back. So I'd have to go back and watch that Oscar promo. I don't think they specifically spelled it out in the show this evening. Oh, okay. But I, I have a feeling that Caleb was still doing these crazy things back then. And Neil in the uh, chat room agrees. Ray might've just been young enough that he didn't really pick up on it at that time. Or perhaps we're going to find out that Ray has suspected his dad of wrongdoing his entire life. Who knows? It's too so early Caleb, to tell. Right. So is Caleb one of these people we don't want to return? Are there other people that are <laughs> working with Caleb and his group that have buried whatever they buried out in the woods? We'll have to wait and see. Yes. Is it money? Is it gold? Because the way he came into the house at the very end, of course, a full-blown, you know, confirmation, Caleb's insane. You know, is it gone? Is it all gone? And gets out that hammer. And although the sound effect they played at the end was, you know, more of a dramatic effect of end of episode, because that's not the sound a human body makes when it's hit with a hammer, I would assume. But that guy, not a good person at all. No, that is for sure. And we have some insider information. So we want to tell you a little bit about our full episode later this week where we feature your thoughts, your theories, your feedback. Because, again, this is a fan show for fans by fans. That's right. So get, the, get that feedback into resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback. You can record your voice right there, right on the screen, right on your computer or smartphone. Or you can record an MP3 of your own using a voice recorder app. Just email it in to feedback at resurrectionrevealed.com. But this week on our full episode, we are actually going to go deeper with Elaine herself. That's right. Samira Armstrong is going to join us on the podcast, and she's going to give us a little bit of insider information about Elaine and what makes her tick. And I think that'll help us learn a little bit, too, about Ray's past as well as Caleb's. Yes, we are so giddy to get to talk to Samira and ask some of these questions and have her on the show because... I'm not positive, but I have a feeling we may have some questions for her that most people don't ask her in interviews because, you know, we're just kind of wacky that way. Right, Troy? Absolutely. And because of those questions, you're going to get some very interesting perspectives, I am sure. Cool. Well, you got anything else on our initial reactions to Resurrection Unearthed? Yes. I'm going to go watch it again right now. <laughs> 
right before bedtime, you're going to hear some, please don't hear any whistling in your dreams or turn into gray powder. No, not just yet. So again, we thank you very much for listening to this live episode of Resurrection Revealed. You can subscribe right on the website, resurrectionrevealed.com and iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn will hopefully soon be in iHeartRadio as well. So be sure you keep locked right here. Subscribe for all the resurrection info as the season progresses. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us. We appreciate you taking some time to listen to it. Again, we want to hear your voice. We'll be talking to you soon. And until then, check out resurrectionrevealed.com. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you laugh, think, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like our Wonderland podcast for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland and Welcome to Level 7, our Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.